Several years ago, Marie and I listened to the audiobook memoir by actress and writer Tina Fey. In it, she recalls her training early in her career in improv acting as she shared some of the secrets of the trade. She says that the first and most important rule of improv is known as yes and. When acting out an improv scene, whenever asked a question, your response is yes. To say no would end the scene immediately because there's nowhere else for it to go. But you also just can't say yes because that also leaves little room to grow on. You have to add on to that with and. Will you go to the ball game with me? Yes, and on the way, let's go pick up my crazy friend, Steve. You can see where, uh, where such a response can lead uh, an improv scene as opposed to just saying, no, I'm okay. Faye reflects on how this teaching, while practical in the craft of improv, has proven helpful in her life, empowering her to step into new opportunities, the yes side, while also adding on to what might be possible in them the and. Such a mindset can simply expand life's possibilities, making the limited limitless. But it makes me wonder about what such a theology, what a yes and understanding of the God we know in Christ could do, what a yes and understanding of discipleship, of following and serving our Lord can merit. In our gospel reading this morning, Jesus seems to be instilling just such a mindset of God and discipleship as he calls some of his first followers. Jesus is beginning his ministry in John's gospel and decides to call disciples. Just before our reading, Jesus called John, Andrew, and Simon Peter. Now he approaches Galilee and meets Philip and says to him, follow me. John doesn't provide us with uh, how Philip responds, but what he does provide is Philip's action. Philip goes on right from being his right from his calling as a disciple to go and tell his friend Nathaniel about Jesus. And what he tells him is this: We found him. He tells Nathaniel, we found the one we've been waiting for, the one Moses and the prophets have promised. We found him. He's Jesus of Nazareth of Galilee. There's so much excitement. There's so much building. But Nathaniel's skeptical of what Philip tells him. And so he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's fair to say that this might be the biblical equivalent of responding no in improv. Now, while Nathaniel may not have passed an improv class, it really is a fair question. Nazareth was a small backwoods town in Galilee of just a couple hundred folks. It was known for pretty much nothing. It was completely dependent economically on um, surrounding towns, particularly Sephoris, which was the capital of Galilee. There also wasn't a whole lot that was special about it. It's never mentioned in the Old Testament, and it certainly wouldn't have been where people would expect the Messiah to come from. In fact, scholars are quick to say that 
just about nowhere in Galilee would have been on the short list of places to expect the Messiah. This promised one doesn't come from an important place, or in John's gospel at least, even born of a prominent family. Instead, it's a carpenter's son from a flyover town. If you notice when faced with Nathaniel's skepticism and doubt, Philip doesn't argue with Nathaniel. He doesn't try to convince him or change his mind. He doesn't even debate that, in fact, Jesus is born of, of this line of David. Rather, Philip offers an invitation. He says, come and see. These words are important because it's the very same invitation Jesus says to Andrew and Peter just before our reading today. Come and see for yourself who this Jesus is. Come and see what God is up to in the world. Philip invites Nathanael to have an experience, an encounter with Jesus, knowing full well that it would change his life forever. There's no need to argue. There's no need to change his mind. All he needs to do is say, come and see. Come and see is a yes and moment in the gospel. Philip's invitation to Nathaniel allows him to explore his skepticism with curiosity, to see for himself just how great and wonderful our God is in Christ, how limitless God's possibilities are. Perhaps reluctantly, perhaps out of curiosity, Nathaniel takes Philip up on his yes and invitation and he goes to see Jesus. As he approaches, Jesus says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel, the skeptic, replies, well, how do you know who I am? Jesus tells him that he saw Nathaniel under the fig tree before Philip came to him. It's at this moment where we see Nathaniel's transformation as he declares Jesus as the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus then promises Nathanael that you will see greater things than these. In other words, that his discipleship journey of come and see isn't over yet. It's a yes and. As he follows Jesus, his life will continually be changed as he experiences the grace and love of Christ at work in the world and through him. In such a tar dark time that we're living through with so much fear, so much hatred, so much that is just plain wrong in the world, it's easy to ask, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's easy to resort to such skepticism and doubt. Can anything good come out of our world right now? Is there really anything the church can do? What can God do when there's so much hurt, so much evil, so much brokenness? But friends, as disciples of Christ, we are a come and see people who believe in a yes and God. A God who promises that there are still greater things to see in the unfolding of God's redemption of us in this world. When does this yes and come and see greater things kind of faith, what does it look like? What does such a faith look like? What does such a trust 
in a God who promises us to see greater things, what does it look like? Last week in the horrific events as a violent mob stormed our capital, I saw this kind of faith in the chaplain for the House of Representatives, Rear Admiral Margaret Crone Kibben. The Reverend Dr. Kibben is the first female chaplain for Congress and the first Presbyterian congressional chaplain in 50 years. And the day of the mob last week was only her third day on the job. And during this, Kibben, who is also a combat veteran, did what chaplains are best equipped to do. She offered comfort to those in crisis. She prayed continuously with members of Congress during the evacuation and while taking shelter, praying for God's covering, for God's presence and peace. Kibben later reflected that our daily lives are not separate from God's involvement in them. God is very much present and very much has come alongside each and every one of us as we labor in the vineyard. And if that labor is tedious, God understands the tedium. If the labor is under siege, God understands the crisis and walks beside us in still waters as well as in the shadows of danger. Friends, this is faith in a yes and God who promises us to come and see the greater things God is doing and God will do. Even in one of the darkest moments in our nation's history, Kibben trusted in God's presence and covering. She was confident in the Spirit's leading, allowing her to be the presence of Christ for others. But more than anything, she trusted in a yes and God who promises that we will see greater things than these. Friends, we believe in a yes and God. A God whose possibilities cannot be limited, who continually calls us to relationship and to a journey of discipleship where we continually encounter and explore who God is and how this God is calling us to love and live in this world. A God who invites us to come and see, to join in the process of divine creativity. A God who promises that we still have greater things to see in our exploration and wonder of who God is and how God calls each of us to follow and serve. Friends, may we never limit the wonders that this God can do. May we never limit the evils this God can and will defeat. May we never limit the suffering this God can comfort and will ultimately heal. Tomorrow, our nation will honor the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His witness to the peace and love of God as well as uh, uh, racial justice and reconciliation seems particularly urgent and needed in this time. I'd like to close with a short excerpt from one of my favorite sermons from Dr. King entitled, Our God is Able. And it reminds me of this kind of yes and faith in God's goodness and power. He says this, Only God is able. 
It is faith in him that we must rediscover. With this faith, we can transform bleak and desolate valleys into sunlit paths of joy and bring new light into the dark caverns of pessimism. Come what may, God is able. Friends, to the Lord who speaks to us and strengthens us and blesses us with peace, be all glory and honor forever. Amen.